something that God is saying today will be a blessing to you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so here at Go Church, we are building a Jesus family to serve the world. Amen. And uh, I just thank God we're going to continue the message we started last week. But before I do that, I want to welcome some very special guests in the house this morning. Will you stand up, please? In case you did not get the memo, this is the newest couple in Georgia. <laughs> They have been married for all of three weeks. <laughs> that is more than Hollywood can brag about. <laughs> we thank God for you. We pray that the sound of joy and delight and pleasure will never depart from your household in Jesus' name. And that what God has begun, it will complete and perfect concerning you in Jesus' name. We pray for heavens above to open upon you and for the dews of heaven to come upon you and the abundance of the earth to be released to you now in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Congratulations. God bless you. <laughs> Brother Uwem and Sister Shadi, would you please stand? Uh, do you know your names? Uwem Umore. In fact, just come up here. <laughs> come now, come up here now, please. <laughs> Would you please turn around to the congregation? I want to announce to you at Global Outreach Church that we have two obedient people in the house. <laughs> you take your seats. <laughs> we, just, we just hope that many more of you become obedient. <laughs> In Jesus' name. That is a very loaded statement. Let me just move on right here so I don't get in any more trouble. Where is it? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Praise God. So this morning we are going to continue in the message we started a couple of weeks ago, Missions Doable. And uh, so today for this installment, I'm going to, I want to talk about Missions Doable. Why must we finish the task? Missions doable, why must we finish the task? Last week, I read the scripture from Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, where you see Jesus, <clears throat> where you see the confirmation that God has called people out of every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. So we know the task will be finished. We know that. The end result is that the task will be finished. So for my generation and your generation, the point is, what will be your contribution? What will be your part in making sure we finish this task? And so this morning, I want to give us three good reasons why we must finish the task. Now, the Great Commission, given by Jesus before his ascension into heaven, follows up on God's promises in Genesis that all the peoples or the nations of the earth will be blessed through us. So when Jesus gave the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 19, when he said, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, it was building upon what God had already said in Genesis. We read that last Sunday and the Sunday before. Amen? So now, let me give you three reasons why we must finish this task. Number one reason, because it is a command. Wow, I could, I could just hear, it is a command. LT is here, he served in the military. He knows what command means. 
I remember uh, during his service, there was a time, uh, you know, uh, him and uh, Tonita uh, building their family and so forth and so on. And before we know it, she's pregnant and the man of God had to leave. Because what? The command came. When that command comes, it's time to go. It's time to go. Hudson Taylor, one of the modern day missionaries, said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but it is a command to be obeyed. Every person that serves in the U.S. military understands that when the commander-in-chief gives a command, whether they like it or not, whether they agree with it or not, it's not up for discussion. You just find your place and you move forward. Amen? So when Jesus said, go and make disciples of one nation, he was not asking for my opinion or your opinion. He was not making a suggestion. He was giving us a command that must be obeyed. Now, I know that we live in an age of options. Just yesterday, I found out that there's another model of agave bread. <laughs> options. You go to the grocery store to buy bread, they have agave bread number one, agave bread number two, agave bread, I mean, all, wheat, brown, oat bread, I mean, all kinds of options. You get, you want to pick up a loaf of bread, you get confused. Because we have so many options. You want to pick up water, you have Dezani water, you have uh, uh, Nesty water, you have uh, Callaway water. I mean, everything with us is optional. We have options. Options for a career. You want to do IT, you want to do accounting, you want to do finance, you want to do, I mean, all kinds of options. And therefore, it's easy, it's easy for me and you because we live in a world that has all kinds of options to think that when it comes to what God said to us, it is also optional. However, when it comes to the Great Commission, there is no option. Believers cannot consider the evangelizing all the peoples of the earth to be optional. When we make decision, the decision to make Jesus Lord, we sign up to obey his every command. Now, we are not alone in this mindset of options. Even the early church, who received the command directly from Jesus in person. They struggled at first, but ultimately believed that Christ envisioned evangelism to be going on everywhere at the same time. Let's just go to Genesis chapter 9 as I begin to build this message. Genesis 9. Why must we finish the Great Commission? Number one, because it's a command. Genesis chapter 9. In verse 1, so God blessed Noah and said to him, uh, no, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to him or to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Then Genesis 10, 32, these were the families of the sons of Noah according to their generations in their nations and from these the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. Genesis 11, 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as the journey from the east that they found a plain in the land of China and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make brick and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they are offshot for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad from the face of the whole earth. Now, mind you, these are the same people to which God spoke in Genesis chapter 9 when it says, God bless Noah and his sons, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. 
So now they decided that they have an option. And that, that option was that they were going to build a tower that would reach into the heavens, that they were going to make a name for themselves, and that they will not be scattered, they will not go, they will not obey God's command. Are you following me? So, verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Let's jump. Verse 7. Come. This is God speaking. Let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another, one another's speech. Verse 8. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. So the point is, God is now calling me and you to gather what is scattered. He's now asking you and I to regather what is scattered. Are you following me? Acts 1 chapter 8, um, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Acts 1 8. Acts 1 8. Thank you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This was Jesus' command, his last command to his disciples. They didn't get it through Google or Yahoo. They didn't have to download it. They heard it in person, live and direct. He told them. Yes, okay, okay, all right, we heard you, sir. Yes, 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 sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. They must have said. Acts 8, verse 1. Acts 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consented to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Go to verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, this is the point. These Christians in the early church were forced to do what they had been reluctant to do. That is, getting the message of Jesus to the surrounding regions. So God had to scatter them. Now, the word for scatter in the Greek gives us the idea of scattering in the sense of planting or sowing seeds. It's not scattering to throw away, but scattering as into plant or to sow seeds. So Jesus clearly told his followers to look beyond Jerusalem and bring, and bring the gospel to Judea, Samaria, and the whole earth, but Jesus' followers were slow to respond. And I pray this morning that you and I will not be as slow as they were. Here is the point, my friends. God can and will use pressing circumstances to guide us into his will. Sometimes we have to be shaken out of our comfort zone before we do what God wants us to do. So the issue is, are you going to go voluntarily, voluntarily or involuntarily? Because one way or the other, you're going to go. Let me tell you something. We are prophetic people, and you must understand your prophetic heritage, because I'm about to show it to you now. 
Let me go to Genesis chapter 45, verse 4 through 8. Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. Thank you. Wow, you guys are fast. And Joseph said to his brothers, you know the story. Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So let, let me just take a pause. Which one is it? He first said he sold him. Then he said God sent him. So which one is it? Think about that. I'm going to go on, but think about that. He said you sold me. Then he, go back, he comes back and said God sent me. So, so which one is it? Are you there in Egypt because you were sold? Or are you there because God sent you? Verse 7, verse 6. For these two years the famine has been in the land. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a prosperity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, this is the final analysis. It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he, God, has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, you want to wonder, why did God do that? Let's go to Genesis 41. Genesis 41, verse maybe 56 and 57. Genesis 41. The famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. Last, verse 57. Watch this. You see that? So all countries. What's God's covenant? That through me and you, all the nations will be blessed. Yes. Is that not what God said? That through me and you, all nations. All nations, which will include countries, all of them will be blessed. So now we see that all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all their lands. What am I saying to us this morning? I'm saying to us this morning, we are a prophetic people. Everyone in this room and perhaps everyone under the sound of my voice, whether you came to this land from Africa, from the Caribbean, or you are a native born, the point is you, are, you carry a prophetic destiny. Whether you came here because you're in search of education, in search of economic opportunities, is because of tribulation, persecution, because you were betrayed, because something happened. The point is, you are here. Now, you may have looked at your situation because Joseph just described to us how his brother sold him. The challenge with me and you is, we stop short at comparing two pictures. Two, two, yeah, two pictures. The first picture is, they sold him. For many of us, we'll pack there the small picture. Oh, this boy don't like me. This woman don't like me. This brother, this sister, uh, this government, this person. On and on and on. We get stuck on the first and tiny picture. But Joseph pressed further. He understood that, yes, those things that happened 
happened through the hand of God to ultimately launch him into his place of prophecy, prophetic destiny. So rather than focus on the injustice and focus on the ills and the evil of the day, he said, ah, no, 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 you guys thought you were winning. You guys thought you did this to me, but let me tell you really what really happened. Let me show you the bigger picture. There is a bigger picture than what you see. There is a bigger picture than what you can sense. There's a bigger picture, and that bigger picture is God is setting me up to be a blessing. He changes everything. He had to get them back in alignment. Say, listen, you guys thought this is what you are doing. Because I'm a prophetic person. I understand that God will use any measure, any means possible to get me going in where he wants me to be. So no matter who is doing it, I'm saying I recognize the hand of God. It was Paul that said it. He said, the things that happened to me has happened to, for the furtherment of the gospel. This man was in prison when he said that. He recognized that his prison, he's been in prison, was not supposed to be the end of his life, but rather to give him a new platform to speak to a new audience of people. You and I are prophetic people. You are here because God wants to use your life to get glory for his life, for his name. It goes on and on and on. I don't have enough time to really glean that. But the point I'm making is you can go voluntarily because you hear the voice of God and you want to obey him or God can involuntarily send you. Walk through circumstances and situations to get you to where you need to be. Amen? Amen. So God is asking you and I to gather what is scattered. Now, the question can be asked, what keeps me and you from fulfilling the grace commission in our generation? What's stopping us? Go to John chapter 4. Give me John chapter 4, verse 4. What's stopping you and I to fulfilling our part in this great commission in our generation? It's very, very simple. Here in John chapter 4, Jesus said, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now give me verse 35, verse 34 and 35. Verse 34 and 35. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. You see that? And to finish his work. That's, in other words, this is the driving force behind everything I do. To finish and to do what he has sent me to do. Verse 35. This is where it concerns me and you. Do you not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I said to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So now let me ask them, answer the question. What is holding us back in our generation to fulfilling the Great Commission? Verse 35. John 4, 35. We need to take the focus off of ourselves. Preoccupation. People are so focused on themselves that they lack the passion for the lost. That's our issue. And this is what Jesus is speaking to here. Behold, I said to you, lift up your eyes. In other words, stop looking at yourself. Stop focusing on your circumstances. Stop focusing on what you don't have. How about focusing and giving thanks for what you do have? That would be a good start. Because if you're here, then there's hope. Because if you're here, God is still at work. Because if you're here, then God has not finished. Because if you're here, it's not over yet. No matter how tiny, no matter how small what you have, you must always remember that there are people that are worse off than you. I'm telling you. Amen? So why must we finish the task? Number one, because it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Number two, 
because of the needs of the nations. Because of the needs of the nations. Now, I mentioned to you last week, and I showed you the 1040 window, but let me describe it more accurately this morning for emphasis. The 1040 window is an area of the world that contains the largest population of non-Christians in the world. This is the rectangular area on the map. Rectangular area on the map. That's why we call it a window. It's a rectangle. North Africa, Middle East, and Asia, between 10 degrees and 40 degrees north of the latitude of the equator. 95% of the world's least evangelists, they live there. They live there. 95% of all unreached peoples, 95% live in this 1040 window. Now, just to give you an idea, let me go to a scripture, in, and I'm going to, uh, let me go to a scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8. If you guys have it in the easy translation, do you have that? <laughs> easy. Okay, you don't have easy. Okay, all right, TJ. Um, just give it to me anyone. Thank you, that's good. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he said the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. Oh my gosh. Try NIV for me. Let me see what NIV says. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, is aha, this is even good. He set up the boundaries for the peoples according to the numbers of the sons of Israel. It's a person, what is that? What does that mean? In other words, God in his wisdom, as he's carving out maps and different nations and dividing them, he did not allow the nations to exceed the numbers that the children of Israel can contain. He made sure the nations grew in direct proportion to the strength of Israel to be able to reach them, to be able to bless them. He did not want the nations to be overpowered. Have you ever wondered why the maps of the nations are changing even today? A few years back we had USSR. Where is it now? It's broken down. Have you ever wondered why all of a sudden you, you, you know, this nation breaks away, that one breaks away, we have South Sudan now, we have Sudan. Do you, do you, do you, are, you, are you cognizant of current events to understand how these things play out? God allowed nations to come and go to the degree or in direct proportion to the strength of the church. In other words, God will not allow nations to be so many that we, the church, cannot reach them. So God manipulates the system to make sure that his church always has a stronger hand. So that the church will always be able to reach them wherever they are. He will not allow them to be too many so, to, so that we'll be overwhelmed. No. It's in the scripture. I just read it to you. What does that mean? That means we must, bring that, we must bring that information now to bear on the need of the nations. Give me slide number 19. Let me show you something that's going on in these nations. Thank you. Lawrenceville, this city where we are, has 30,000 people as of 2020 census. I'm sure they didn't count some people that are hiding under the rock. 30,000. I tried to find how many churches are in Lawrenceville. I couldn't really come up with information. But just coming to church this morning from my house, 
I know how many churches are counted and passed. Just Brazilton Highway. They need to rename it Brazilton Church Boulevard. So many churches. Proliferation of churches everywhere. And that's good. Now look at this place. In Portland, Oregon, the population is 580,000. In Portland, we have 448 churches serving 580 population. Compare that to Arsenal, India, where you have a population of 564 people, zero church. Zero. Zero. Give me the next one. Indianapolis. 850,000 population. How many churches? 511. You go to Yemen. Let me not call the city because I'll destroy it. You go to Yemen. 618,000 people. How many churches? Zero. Zero. Alabama, Alabama. Next door to us here. 212,000 people. Look at many churches. 459. With Zeb Kiskan. With 54,000 people, zero church. Why must we finish this task? Number one, before, because it's a command. Number two, because of the needs of the nations. I go to, we go to Thailand, we go to Vietnam, uh, we go to Myanmar. This is the truth. I lie not in the Holy Ghost. To see a church on the road, you sweat like this. You sweat. You can't find them. Why? Because all of us are sitting in the comforts of our places. We love the ivory tower. Enjoy the comfort of our homes, our cars. And those things are good. I'm not denouncing them. Please understand what I'm saying. I'm just saying, along with those blessings, we now need to transfer and be a blessing to these nations. Let me give us some staggering facts on the 1040 window. Staggering facts. Number one, it is Bible scholars believe that the 1040 window is where the Garden of Eden was placed and the start of civilization with Adam and Eve. Can you believe that? This area that we're not talking about, the 1040 window, was where it all began to show us the historical and biblical significance. And when you read the book of Revelation, the Bible makes it clear, we started in the garden, we're going to end in the garden. Revelation 22, Revelation 21 is there. Number two, the 1040 window is the seat of every major non-Christian religion. That's the headquarters. Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of them are headquartered in the 1040 window. Number three, these people in the 1040 window is the least evangelized on all the earth. It is the home to the majority of the world's unevangelized nations. This is irony. While the 1040 window only constitutes one third of the earth's total land area, two thirds 
of the world's people reside there, which means it's heavy population density. Ah, how about this other fact? The preponderance of the poor. Majority of the world's poor live in a 1040 window. You think there's poverty? You think you've seen poverty in Haiti and Ethiopia? You've not seen poverty. Of the poorest of the poor, more than eight out of 10 live in the 1040 window. On the average, they exist on less than $500 per person per year. Per year. We received a message from Sri Lanka, maybe about a couple of months ago now, uh, through a friend of Dr. Kunle Akimola, who lives in Sri Lanka. And they were trying to muster support for Sri Lankans during the, during the hardship that they are undergoing. And so she sent, she sent a message to us. You know how much money they wanted for a family to keep a family for six months? Can anybody guess? $60. $60 to help support a family for six months. <laughs> Many of you who live here today, you, before you get to your house, you've blown $60 on chicken wings and hot dogs and all that stuff. $60. I'm, I'm sharing this so we understand the need. I'm, listen, I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. I'm just, I want to, listen, I will be an irresponsible pastor and father if I don't share with you the heart of God. That's my job. What you do with it is a different thing. On the average, they exist on less than $500 per person per year. It has been said, watch this, that the poor are the lost. And the lost are the poor. You didn't hear it. <laughs> the poor are the lost, and the lost are the poor. Why is that so? Years ago, when I was just growing up uh, in ministry, years, years, years ago, I tried to get some of these major, big time, big name evangelists to go with us to Africa to go preach, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't want to mention their names. It always boiled down to one thing Bank, we want to go. Okay, Bank, when can we go? And then they ask me, how much offering can we take out of there? True story. I didn't read it in the book. No, I didn't read it. I heard it. They told me. In other words, if we cannot go there and plunder them and take their goods and take some good offering out of there, we are not going. That's why the poor are the lost and the lost are poor. Because the people that God is raised to share the good news, they refuse to go because they can't get anything out of the ground. True story. As I'm speaking here now, I'm, I'm, I can recall their names. I, I can recall the conversation. I mean, they ask me all kinds of questions. Are you telling me that uh, when uh, you really mean that we can't get any offering? I said, you, you can take an offering, but by the time you receive an offering from 10,000 people, it will be $2. What are you going to do with that? And then they quizzed me for that. I said, you want to tell me or a robot go there and only get $2? I said, Sir, I don't know how a robot do, do it. I'm telling you, you, you can't go there and just receive, receive offerings. Yeah. So, the poor are the lost. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> the poor are the lost, and the lost are the poor. And lastly, lastly, 
the spiritual stronghold. The 1040 window includes numerous spiritual strongholds. The billions of people who live in the 1040 window have suffered not only the ravages of poverty and disease, they've also been kept from the transforming power of the gospel. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And the truth of the matter is, when you go to some of these places, you, you can see the darkness. You can, I mean, you can feel it, senses. I mean, okay, so in, in Yangon, for instance, we use the best, West, best Western hotel when we're in the city. As we're checking in, there's a Buddha right there by the, uh, by, on, by, on the counter. And, and God, God help me if I'm, if I'm not telling the truth. They bring that Buddha breakfast, they bring it lunch, they bring in dinner. The thing just start, with, with, with tea and kool the whole thing, five course meal, they put it there every day. Every day, God help you if you remove it. Ignorance. Blinded. Busloads of tourists all over Asia. Because in Yangon, they have the largest, I can't remember what they call that name. What they, Pagoda, Pagoda, thank you. Oh my goodness, you see Sleeping Buddha. You see one that's just for a single people that wants to, a person that wants to get married. A one that uh, have infertility. One that wants to have a, a good libido. Oh, oh, they, have, they have Buddha for everything. They, they, they have for Monday, for Tuesday, for Wednesday. And people come from all over the world to come and pay homage. Statues that have ears that cannot hear. Hands that cannot move, yeah. legs that cannot walk, mouth that cannot speak. Yeah. And human beings that were created in God's image and likeness, that God loves dearly, are going there to bow down to them every day. So this is the reason where we must renew our focus to making this unrich people groups our target. And like I said to you in the previous message, this is the reason I personally and this ministry have targeted this group of people. Because we cannot say, continue to say we love Jesus, and then we just ignore that these things are there. Yeah, we still minister in other parts of the world. Absolutely. In Africa, precisely. We do. But we concentrate to try to bring these people out of the darkness into the marvelous light that God has in and through his, the name of his son. So why must we finish? Number one, because it's a command. Number two, because of the needs of the nation. Lastly, Lastly, because the lamb is worthy. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the lamb of God is worthy. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 says, The lamb is worthy of all worship from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and every people. Don't you want to be a part to make sure that the lamb of God that paid the price for our sins in full, that make sure that all nations bow down and worship him. Yeah. When the flame of missions burn with the heat of Jesus' true worth, the light of nations will shine to the most remote peoples of the earth. One of the scriptures I love is Psalms 22, verse 27 and 28. It says, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. 
Why? For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. He does. Malachi 1.11, from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, God says, my name shall be great among the Gentiles or nations, and in every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of all. This is God's heart. This is his desire. You see? So missions continue to exist because worship doesn't. Okay, that's a loaded sentence. Let me, let me say that again. Missions exist because worship don't. In other words, as long as any group of people who is not worshiping God, there's a need for, worship, for, for missions. Missions exist to get people to refocus, to come to a place of giving God the worship and the glory that he deserves. The Moravian missionaries in 1732, this is a quote that they gave that I think is very powerful. They say, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. There's no other reward we can give Jesus. We can't buy him a new shoe. We can't put him on a suit. We can't bury him in a house. We can't do anything for him other than to the people for which he died. To give them the opportunity to behold their lamb. Oh God. Help us, Jesus. Help us that we will not be focused on just our need and totally forget the suffering that you went through to make life livable for us. And so that is my prayer for you this morning, that you'll be challenged to know that it cost God everything to make heaven available to us. And so as we described the great, the practical definition of missions last week, that it is the non-negotiable, binding responsibility of those who've received the benefits of God's covenant with Abraham to share those same blessings with everyone. So as we leave this place today, this place today whether you go to the drugstore, to the grocery store, or you just make a phone call, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to go abroad to do this. Just remember that every soul you encounter, Jesus paid the price for them. Why should anyone deserve to hear the goodness ten times and some people have not heard it once? And if not us, who? And if not now, when? May God bless you. And the Holy Spirit help you. In Jesus' name.